Welcome to the Lead On Podcast, our continuing conversation about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and it's my delight to host you again this week. Today, I want to talk about being more generous as a ministry leader, generosity for ministry leaders. Now, you might think, well, I I don't know why you'd talk about that. Ministry leaders don't have any money. Well, let's understand from the beginning that generosity is always proportional. It's not so much about the amount as it is about the percent. Jesus always acknowledged givers, not for how much they gave, but for how generous their gift was in proportion to what they had. So I want to talk to you today as a ministry leader about being more generous. Why is this important? Well, it's really important for for two reasons. Number one, it's important because it is essential for your long-term spiritual vitality. You know, as a ministry leader, you're going to make less money than a lot of other people make, and you're going to have a lot of financial challenges that uh, come with the task and the role that you've been assigned. And one of the ways that you'll overcome bitterness and assure yourself of God's care and provision is by being generous. Jesus said, give, and it'll be given to you. And Jesus said, when you give your life away, you find it. So a life marked by generosity helps eliminate bitterness, assure us of God's provision, and essentially guarantees us life. The second reason ministry leaders need to model generosity is because they are models. If you want people in your congregation or your ministry organization to be generous, you have to model generosity. And so I want you to move away from thinking about being generous in terms of the amount that you give, and I want you instead to think about being generous in terms of the proportion that you give in relationship to what you have. Now, I want to be a little personal here with you. My wife and I have been married for more than 42 years. Before we got married, we had some very frank conversations about money. Now, I was motivated by the fact that I grew up in what I will describe as financial chaos, and I really wanted to live a life of financial order. Anne wanted to have those conversations because she came to marriage wanting a life of simplicity and of ministry focus. So we had different motivations, but we had some of the same goals. And so we agreed before we ever got married that we would never in our lives ever give less than 10% of our income away. And I can, I can tell you, and I can document this with the paperwork if you need to see it, but I can tell you that in 42 years of marriage, we have never had a month, never had a month, that we did not give more than 10% of our total gross income away to God's work. 
We did this when we were seminary students. We did it when we were struggling as pastors of a small church and having babies. We did it when we moved to Oregon and planted a church. We've continued to do it throughout our lives and ministries. And still today, we are still exceeding that giving threshold. We have lived, at least by how we've defined it and how we've seen it, a life of generosity. Now, could have we have been more generous? I'm sure we could have been. Just like everyone else, we're selfish. We spend money on ourselves. We stay focused on ourselves. We do things for ourselves. So I'm not holding myself up as a model of perfection here by any stretch of anyone's imagination. But I am trying to inspire you a bit if I can and let you know that it is possible to live a life of ministry leadership and to live that life with generosity toward God's work demonstrated by giving a significant proportion of income away on a regular basis. Now, before we talk about how you get there, let's do a quick survey of the book of Proverbs. I recently made a study of what the book of Proverbs has to say about generosity. And I want to just highlight a few of those for you. The Proverbs starts by telling us that God wants us to gain wealth. He tells us uh, to be diligent like a farmer in Proverbs 27, beginning in verse 23. Know well the condition of your flock and pay attention to your herds, for wealth is not forever. Not even a crown lasts for all time. When hay is removed and new growth appears and the grain from the hills is gathered in, lambs will provide your clothing and goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, food for your household, and nourishment for your female servants. Gain wealth like a farmer. And then not only be diligent like a farmer, but the Proverbs also say we're to be industrious like an ant. Proverbs 6, starting in verse 6. Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. So the Proverbs... God speaking through the writer, tell us that God wants us to gain wealth. But he wants us to do it like farmers and ants, working hard, being diligent. God wants you to gain wealth the right way. Here's some additional proverbs about this. You gain wealth the right way, first of all, by avoiding being greedy. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, Don't wear yourself out to get rich, because you know better. Stop. As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears. For it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. Avoid being greedy. While you're being diligent like a farmer and industrious like an ant, know that wealth will fly away like a bird in the sky. Don't be preoccupied with it. And then work hard 
several Proverbs about this. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth obtained by fraud will dwindle, but whoever earns it through labor will multiply it. Proverbs 14, 23, there is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. And then Proverbs 10, 4, idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches. So God wants you to gain wealth like a farmer and an ant by avoiding greed and working hard. But there's more than that. The third dimension of gaining wealth the right way is to trust God for it. Proverbs 10.22 says, The Lord's blessing enriches, and he adds no painful effort to it. When God enriches us, it is not painful. We do not suffer the pain of greed, all the heartache that comes with overwork and preoccupation and lack of time invested in other more important issues and people. When God adds wealth, he adds it without pain. Man, that feels good. So God wants you to gain wealth, and he wants you to gain wealth the right way. Then God wants you to use your wealth wisely. And this is where we start getting toward this idea of generosity. First, Proverbs 21.5 says we're to spend carefully. The plans of the diligent lead certainly to profit, but anyone who is reckless certainly becomes poor. God wants you to use your wealth wisely by spending it carefully. This means you have a spending plan, often referred to as a budget, where you prioritize where you want your money to go and make sure that it's spent in the right way. And then God also wants you to use some of your wealth to save appropriately. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. In other words, a good man saves something for himself for the future and even something for his children and his grandchildren. You know, sometimes people mistakenly say, well, time, you know, we're in the end times. Life is short. We need to spend what we have now. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible talks clearly and openly and often about investing and using wisely your resources to plan for provision to be available over the long haul. It's biblically permissible to save, and not only to save for yourself, but to save generationally to bless others who come after you. So God wants you to use your wealth wisely. You gain it like a farmer and an ant by avoiding greed while working hard and trusting God to enrich you. And then you spend it, or you use it wisely by spending carefully and saving appropriately, and then by giving generously. Now, again, looking at the Proverbs, why does God want us to give generously and how does it help us? Well, first, God blesses generous people. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then, 
Your barns will be completely filled, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your harvest, and God will take care of enriching you. And then Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. This is one of the great paradoxes of the Christian faith. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, using the analogy of a grain basket being filled in Luke 6.38. Jesus taught us that God's economy is based on giving, not getting. We give, and when we do, God replenishes in such a way that we're blessed and even enriched. So we give generously because God blesses generous givers. Second, God also blesses people who are generous to the poor. Proverbs 22.9, a generous person will be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. And then Proverbs 22.16, oppressing the poor to enrich oneself and giving to the rich, both lead only to poverty. You do not go wrong by giving to the poor. Now, this has more application than just handing a dollar bill to a homeless person. Giving to the poor means that you give wisely to meet the needs of people who are suffering physically, who are hurting spiritually, who may be racked with disease or difficulty, who may, through no fault of their own, be suffering from earthquakes or uh, disasters like tsunamis. Giving to the poor is about making sure that some of your giving goes to help people who really can't help themselves. Now, it can mean helping someone directly, but I think most often it means giving to organizations and movements that are really accomplishing what you want done in this regard. And then God not only blesses generous givers, particularly those who give to the poor, but he curses Greedy people. Proverbs 28, 22, a greedy one is in a hurry for wealth. He doesn't know that poverty will come to him. And then 28, 25, a greedy person stirs up conflict, but whoever trusts in the Lord will prosper. Well, this is an overview of the book of Proverbs and what it has to say about generosity. It says that we're to uh, gain wealth, but gain it the right way. And then once we gain wealth, use it wisely by spending and saving and giving it appropriately. And part of giving appropriately is learning to give generously in these ways that the Proverbs describes. Now, let's spend the balance of the podcast talking about an action plan of how you can become a more generous Christian. Number one, Adopt a biblical perspective on your money. If you've never taken a stewardship course or read a stewardship book or developed a stewardship theology, get busy on that. Adopt a biblical perspective on your money. Just like the Bible has instructions about morals and about marriage and about gender and about uh, business practices, the Bible also has instructions about money. Educate yourself and adopt a biblical perspective. 
not an American perspective, not a cultural perspective, not a greedy perspective, not a capitalistic perspective. Adopt a biblical perspective on your resources. That's step one. Second, second thing is to develop a comprehensive plan for using your money. Develop a comprehensive plan for using your money. Now, if you're younger, you're going to need to readjust this plan pretty often. If you're older, like me, you get this plan in place and you just keep working the plan uh, as life becomes more stable and and uh, your choices become uh, less urgent, if you want to say it that way, about different financial issues. So if you're younger and listening to the podcast, you're going to be remaking a uh, comprehensive plan fairly often, every few months perhaps, certainly every year. But when you get to a little older place in life, you may not be making remaking this plan quite as often, but it's still important to, re, to update it and retool it from time to time. Most financial planners and those who plan particularly from a biblical perspective say that there need to be three aspects of your comprehensive plan, spending, saving, and giving. Spending, saving, and giving. And most people who make this kind of plan set out percentages as goals in these categories, like like spending 70% of what you have, saving 20%, giving 10%. Now, as life unfolds, these percentages definitely need to be adjusted. Some will give much more than 10%, save maybe more or less depending on stage of life, and Some will spend more or less depending on stage of life. And so these are not fixed laws or rules, but they are three fixed areas that you've got to decide, how much am I going to spend in these areas? Spending, saving, and giving. Again, thinking about it in terms of 70-20-10 is one way to do it and one good way that many financial planners will challenge you to think as you start this process. But that's not the only way to look at it, and those are certainly not fixed percentages that may last you over an entire lifetime. So, number one, adopt a biblical perspective, and number two, develop a comprehensive plan for using your money and adjust that plan as life unfolds. But now third, in the context of that giving plan, develop a plan to become more generous. Now, here are Four steps to help you do that. Number one, correct your spending and saving problems that are limiting your giving. Sometimes people honestly say, I don't have anything to give because I spent it all. Sometimes they say, I don't have anything to give because I'm saving for something. And that saving for something may be self-focused or self-indulgent, not necessarily something that is a priority in your life plan. So the first step is to correct spending and saving problems that are keeping you from being able to be a good giver. Like, for example, impulsive spending. Impulsive spending means that you're going to overspend the resources that you have because you spend emotionally or you spend in the moment. To help us to get better control of our impulsive spending early on in our marriage, Ann and I, for some months, decided that we would try to keep a record of spending of every dollar we spent so we could see where our money was going. 
Now, doing that over a lifetime is ridiculous and legalistic, but doing it for three months really helps you see where your money's going. And at the end of that time, to really sit down and say, is this really where we want to spend our money? How much do we spend on Cokes and coffee? How much do we spend on junk food and on eating out? How much do we spend on clothing that we don't really need? How much do we spend on this and that and the other? Where are we spending our money, and what does that look like, impulsive spending? Another way that people are really mismanaging their spending these days is through accruing significant debt. It's hard to meet a person who doesn't have significant student debt and credit card debt and other kind of consumer debt. And once you get obligated to debt, man, listen, the debtors, they, they come for their money. you got to pay that. And it's very difficult to be generous uh, when you're in that kind of debt. Again, um, we have not lived our entire lives debt-free, but almost all of them. Uh, we've always had uh, a mortgage. Uh, that's been a debt that we've had to manage. But we've never really gone into debt much for things like cars or anything like that. Uh, I think in our 42 years of marriage, I think we had one time that we bought a car and we basically had a lot of money set aside and we offset that by car payments so we didn't have to spend all that at once, but we did do it that one time. But uh, beyond that, um, you know, we, we've we just driven older cars and saved our money and made it work. I, I'm driving a car right now that's 10 years old. And you say, well, you're a seminary president. You should have a new car. No, I shouldn't. I got a fine car. It works great. It's paid for. And I'd rather use my money for other things. And so, again, uh, just getting a control of the debt in your life is another step toward controlling management or correcting management problems that will help you to become more generous. So developing this plan to become more generous, correct spending problems or correct management problems, usually spending problems, sometimes saving problems. Second thing is get to the tithe level are the 10% level as fast as possible. Now, I'm not today on the podcast going to go into a whole big thing about this, but I know some people don't believe in tithing. Some people do. Uh, Personally, I don't see how anybody can even argue about this. The Old Testament standard was 10%. Jesus exceeded the Old Testament in every way. New Testament always exceeds old. And so as long as you give more than a tithe, I agree with you. The tithe is, is, uh, is past tense. But if you're using that justification to give less than that, I don't think you've got any biblical legs to stand on, quite frankly. But we'll do that another day. Right now, we're just talking about becoming more generous. And so I want to say, in order to become a more generous Christian, step one for many of you is to set a goal of getting to the place where you're giving a tithe or 10% of your income away every month. You say, well, because of bad spending, including impulsive spending and debt and other problems, I just can't get there this month. Okay, fine. Where can you get? Can you get to 2%? Can you get to 3%? And then you say, well, what if I set a goal of increasing it a half a percent a month or a percent a month uh, every month for the rest of this year? That would be fantastic. Set a goal to get to the 10% giving level as quickly as possible. Man, I have so many stories about this. We had a family that came into our church plant in Oregon Uh, They had never been Christians. They'd lived their lives, you know, in a totally secular fashion. They were hopelessly in debt. Uh, They both had good jobs. Uh, She was a teacher. He was a, you know, responsible person working at a company, had a, you know, senior management position. And yet they were always out of money and way behind on their credit cards and always struggling financially. And they just made a commitment. We're going to get to that 10% as fast as possible. And they did. 
And then the testimonies started coming of how God was blessing them and pouring into their lives resources, and then how they were disciplining themselves to not spend so they could give. They also had more money to pay down their debt, and it just one thing led to another. And within a couple of years, they came to me one Sunday and said, you're not going to believe what we're going to tell you. We're debt-free. The only thing we still own is our mortgage, and that's an appreciating asset in our context, so we don't really consider that a debt. Wow, they said, it really works. So when you set a goal to start getting or to get to the 10% of giving level, it's going to discipline you in so many ways. It's going to change your spending patterns, make it possible for you to pay down your debt. God's going to step in and start giving you additional resources and blessing you in ways that he always does when people get serious about being more generous. And you're going to see good things happen. So step one, correct management problems like spending and debt and impulsive spending and debt. And then second, get to that 10th, that 10% level as fast as possible. Now, to become more generous, let's end the podcast here. Move beyond the tithe, beyond 10%, to what I call grace giving, to giving out of God's grace even more resources. My wife and I set a goal a few years ago to uh, increase our giving 1% a year until we got to a certain percentage, and we've got there, and we're staying there now. We're holding there. And it's a very generous percent of our income, and we're glad to give it. And God has prospered and blessed and taken care of us as we've grown our giving. We didn't get there overnight, but we got there just incrementally, step by step by step, 1% a year until we finally got to the goal we had set for ourselves. Our basic offering is our tithe. That goes to our church. But then beyond that, we're able to give to our seminary and to missions and to church planting. And we also are able to give to the poor. Uh, Specifically, we give to orphan relief and orphan care. And then we also give alms, which are money that we just hand out cash to needy people. You say, what about tax return on that? I don't worry about that. I I, I need to give some money away. That's just almsgiving, as the Bible calls it. That's just money given to the poor that just helps to meet their needs. No recognition, no tax deduction. Just give it away. So we have a monthly budget where we set aside a certain percentage of our income to give it away. And that's what we give away. And when that's all gone, we don't feel guilty if people come and ask us for money. We say, I'm sorry, we don't have any more to give. We just can't do it. So we turn down many opportunities to give because we just don't have resources. But we are disciplined to give the percentage that we believe God has led us to. And we give that away every month to our church and our school and to missions and to to orphans and to alms. And by doing that, we're able to find ourselves in a place of generosity uh, where we really have always wanted to live. Now, again, uh, I'm not the biggest donor to Gateway Seminary by far. I don't have vast resources. I, I'm compensated well by the seminary, but I'm still a minister, okay? I, I'm still a minister, and I'm still working in a ministry organization. And so we still have to think of ourselves in a ministry context. Um, and that means that while I don't give the most of anyone that I know, in fact, I, I, I recently uh, we recently got a gift from a donor, one gift, that that is more money than I've given to Gateway Seminary in the 20 years I've worked here. <laughs> okay, so I'm not giving the most by any means, but I'm giving generously out of what I have, and God has blessed us for doing it. So correct management problems like impulsive spending and debt. Get to the 10th percent giving level as quick as possible. And then, and then set a plan out over the few year, next few years in your life to increase by half a percent or a percent or by some means and keep increasing your giving so that you're getting more and more generous over time. Now, as a part of that for us, as we decided to 
sort of cap our uh, standard of living at one point. So we're not trying to get a bigger house and a bigger car and nicer clothes. Now, we have a nice house and a nice car. Mine's 10 years old, but it's still a nice car. And we we are able to take some trips with our family and do some nice things. But, you know, we're able to do those things because God has blessed us, not because we set that out as a goal that we had to achieve. So we've sort of capped our uh, spending and said that's all we can spend so we can give away what we give away. And in that act of generosity, again, God is blessed. And then the last thing I would say in terms of developing a generous lifestyle, and that is make a plan to give your estate away after you die. Now, I've talked about this for 20 years. I've made this plan years and years ago, and we still have it today. We have what's called a give it twice plan. That is, when my wife and I die, uh, everything we leave behind is going into a trust that our uh, the Baptist Foundation of California will manage, and they'll pay our children returns every year on the income from that trust until finally, after about 15 years after we're gone, uh, our children will have received their full inheritance. They will have received an amount equal to the amount that we left when we died. But the principle will still be in place at the foundation. And at that point, we're giving it all away. So I'm giving my estate away twice. When I die, everything I have will go into a trust. The earnings in that trust will pay my children a full inheritance so that they will get the full amount that they should have received from everything that I accumulated over a lifetime. And then once they receive theirs in, in payments over about a 15-year period, once that's happened, my estate will still be in place, and I'm going to give it all away again to Christian service and Christian work and Christian organizations so that about 15 years after I'm dead and after Anne's gone, about 15 years after that, somebody's going to get a wonderful gift, a wonderful gift that comes from our generosity even after we're in heaven. Ministry leaders have to model generosity. First of all, because it's essential for our own spiritual growth, for avoiding the bitterness that comes from living on a fixed income or a limited income in a prosperous country like we live in today. Ministers just don't make that much money, but generosity keeps our hearts right before God. And second, generosity models for our followers the kind of lives we want them to live as they emulate us in this important area. The Proverbs speak strongly about how to gain and use wealth, including how to give it away generously. We can be more generous people by adopting a biblical perspective, developing a comprehensive use of the resources we have, and then developing a plan to become more generous by getting our management issues under control and then getting to the 10% giving level as quickly as we can. And then over the next, say, five to 10 years, keep increasing that giving incrementally until you're giving a remarkable amount of your resources away. And then someday, someday when you're dead and gone and in heaven, make sure that your estate plan leaves something to benefit the work of God forever. Thank you for listening to this more personal message today about what it means to be a generous Christian leader. I hope you'll put it into practice, not just today, but over the next decade, as you reshape your understanding of this important area. Do it as you lead on. <laughs>